Good morning, church. How wonderful it is to see the visual representation of the redemptive work of Christ in a brother's life. May God bless you, Cameron. Uh, Ever since Easter Sunday, we have been doing a two-part series. This is the second part of a two-part series on the two stories of Easter. And so last week, Pastor Dave brought us a word about the great cover-up of those who would seek to lie and say that Jesus is dead. This morning, we will examine the great truth that he is indeed alive and read the great commission to all the followers of Christ to go and, <clears throat> excuse me, to go and testify to that truth. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Please follow along in your own hearts as I read aloud. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have made it available to us so that we may know you and know your will for us. Lord, I pray that as a result of having studied this passage of Scripture, that we would know you more and be uh, in better submission to your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I got my driver's license in high school... Uh, My friend, my best buddy in school, there was nothing we would love more than to ride around town listening to loud music and enjoying fast food together. And I remember when Taco Bell first came out with their breakfast, Taco Bell breakfast, and we decided before school we would drive to Taco Bell and enjoy some Taco Bell breakfast And there was a lot of buzz around Taco Bell breakfast and a lot of skepticism. And we came to school that morning and we said, listen, I know what they're saying about Taco Bell breakfast. But it's wonderful and you have to try it. And you got to get you a sausage crunch wrap and it's just going to change your whole world. Now, we so often are so excited to share trivial experiences with others. And to promote things that we've experienced and enjoyed. Maybe it's a show or a movie that you've watched and you have to go and you have to watch it. You've got to see it. Maybe it's a particular cleaning solution that you would not believe what it does to hard water stains. But we go and we promote these trivial things to others. And yet, we don't seem to have the same passion and zeal in promoting the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Here, Jesus commissions his followers to take the good news of what he has done in his death and resurrection and bring that news joyfully, passionately to everyone you can get it to. So let's examine this passage line by line, piece by piece. 
and understand the message that Jesus gave to his disciples and what we are supposed to do with it. So let's again look at verse 16 and 17. Now when the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The proper response to the risen Lord is only worship. There are many responses that you can have to the risen Lord, but the only correct response is worship. And that is an eternally significant response. What you do with the risen Lord determines where you spend eternity. It determines who you are. It determines your standing with God, how you respond to the risen Lord. And they respond in worship. May we all respond to the risen Lord with worship. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Who is doubting? It seems here that the 11 disciples are the ones who are doubting. Now, there's a lot of disagreement about this among different commentators, but it says the 11 disciples went there, they saw him. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. So it would seem that some of the very people who were worshiping Jesus were also experiencing some measure of doubt. Now, what is meant by doubting? When it says some doubted, what is it talking about? Like some question, the whole thing? Does it mean that uh, they clearly were unrepentant, lost? Well, there's only one other place that this word, this Greek word for doubting, distazo, there's only one other place that this is used. That's Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. This is the account of Jesus walking on water and Peter walking out to meet him, stepping out in faith to walk out to Jesus. And he looks at his surroundings. He sees the waves. He, he's frightened. And he begins to sink. Matthew 14, verse 31 Jesus reached, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And that word doubt is the same word doubt from our passage today. How does Jesus respond in that moment to Peter's doubt? He reaches out his hand and lifts him up. He reaches out his hand and lifts him up. He responds in gentleness and he responds by lifting him out of where he was sinking in doubt. This word doubt here, it implies a wavering. Not a rejection of the truth of Jesus, but a wavering in your faith. See, the way that we talk about this wavering in faith is going to make a a big difference in our life in following Christ. Because to waver doesn't mean that we're lost or unrepentant, that we aren't in Jesus Christ, that we aren't abiding in in Him. No, it's a wavering. We as Christians are serving an immortal, eternal God. We are serving Him, working for His eternal, heavenly kingdom, And yet, we do all this in a mortal, human body. At times, because of our weak human flesh, we may find ourselves 
wavering. So we know how Jesus responded to Peter when he was wavering. How does he respond to his disciples here when some are doubting, some are wavering? Let's look to verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So what does he do? He responds by drawing near to them. He, Jesus came and said to them, So he draws near to them and he reminds them of who he is. He declares his authority, his sovereignty. As we think about wavering in our own lives, wrestling with questions and wavering in our own walk with the Lord, and how do we respond to that wavering? What is the antidote to that doubt? Well, uh, perhaps many of you would, would go and pick yourself up a book on apologetics and really read about how to defend your faith against some of the arguments against it. If you've decided to do that, that is a great and wonderful thing. And we should always be prepared to give an answer. And if we have questions in our faith, it's good for us to read about what brothers and sisters who have gone before us have said to those questions. But the number one antidote to doubt is to reflect upon the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, um, when I was going to school, I just, I had a lot of trouble. I was not the best student. I love to learn. I like to to listen, to read, and, and to learn. But when it comes to assignments, essays, and things like that, I just have trouble with it. You know, some people graduate magna cum laude, and some people graduate summa cum laude, and I graduated thank the laude. (laughs) And so, as I went to school to to get my my, uh, undergraduate degree, after I graduated, I would have these very vivid nightmares that I have more assignments due. And I had all of this stuff that I was supposed to be checking these assignments on, on, on Blackboard and that I was supposed to be going and doing. And, and I just had neglected all of them and I had to catch up and do them all and turn it in. And am I going to graduate? And what's going to happen? And I would wake up and I would go, man, that felt so vivid. Did I, did I really graduate? And I would go downstairs and I would see my diploma And they're signed by the president, the provost, the chairman of the board of trustees. Travis Dykes graduated with his bachelor's in church ministry. And there, the people in authority had signed off and said, I don't have to worry about it. It's done. It's completed. See, you may have questions about who you are in Christ. Whether or not you're truly saved. But when Jesus Christ says that I am in charge of the whole thing, I have authority over anything you can think of. And if he says that you're redeemed, you better believe you're redeemed. Amen? Jesus Christ reminds them that I, the Savior who loves you, who's been walking with you all this time, I'm in charge of the whole thing. See, when our brothers and sisters in Christ waver in their faith, we need to meet them with the mercy and gentleness of Jesus. 
Not casting judgment, but showing them love and pointing them to Jesus. Jesus, who is full of mercy and grace and love and power. Meet your brothers and sisters in Christ who are wavering with the gentleness of Jesus. Jesus announces his authority. This is a proclamation and a promise to silence fear and doubt. Jesus is here telling them definitively who he is. He's saying, you have known me in my humble, mortal incarnation, emptied of the privileges of deity. But I am telling you now explicitly that I am Lord of all. I've been showing you, been showing you through miracles, been showing you through fulfilled prophecy, been teaching you, but let there now be no ambiguity at all that I am God. Jesus is declaring who he is. So Jesus shows himself to his disciples. He declares who he is. What does he do next? He gives them a job to do. Verse 19 Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. His disciples here, who were witnesses to his death and resurrection, they're being told to take that news to others. Jesus wants his disciples to go and make disciples, his followers to go recruit followers. 1 Corinthians 11.1 The Apostle Paul writes, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This is the job for all of us. If you are a follower of Christ, you've been changed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have been changed and you need to take that life-changing message to everyone. You need to live out the truth of that life change in front of everyone, before all who see you, giving glory to God and showing them to do the same. Go and make disciples. From where? Disciples of all nations. I think often we underestimate how novel this must have seemed to the Jewish disciples of Jesus Christ. As we read the book of Acts, we discover that they still have trouble with this concept of all nations thing. They still have trouble with this for a while. And you can see why. Come with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Jesus is telling the Hebrew people, I have chosen you. You are my people. So what happened? Did God change his mind? Come with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, verse 17. Verse 17 to 18. And God, excuse me, chapter 22, verse 17 to 18. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. 
And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. These are the words that God spoke to Abraham. Yes, I'm choosing you, but through your offspring, all of the earth shall be blessed. God's plan was for the nations all along. Come with me now to the New Testament, 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter, who was someone who struggled quite a bit with this of all nations concept a couple of times, he writes here to believers that you are God's people. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus can count themselves among the people of God. And I am so grateful for that. My ancestors at this time were nowhere close to the action. During the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, my ancestors were uh, running around naked and painted blue and worshiping all kinds of ridiculous things. But God's plan was for all of us, the whole world. And He commissions His disciples to go into all of the nations to make disciples. But what are they supposed to do with them? It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you've been around church any length of time at all, you've seen someone baptized and they're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now these aren't just words that we say where if we forget to say them, the baptism doesn't count. Okay? This is recognizing that what we do, we do in service to God and with the authority of God. This isn't just something that we have gotten together and we said, hey, when someone new comes in, let's let's dunk them. That'll be pretty good. No, this is from God. God told us to do this. So when we do it, we reflect on where did we get this from? We got it from God. And when we baptize someone, we are recognizing that they are part of the church and the family of God. And that they serve the triune God. We don't do it in our own authority. And nothing we do as Christians means anything at all if it's done apart from God. If it's done apart from the triune God, then it's all for naught. Everything we do, we do in service to God. Not for our glory, but for His He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Disciples need training, not just conversion. Jesus doesn't say, dunk them and ditch them. No, teach them. Go into all the world, tell people who I am, and teach them all that I have commanded them. Obedience is key. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We show that we follow God when we do what God says. 
and we teach one another what it is that he said and how to follow him. Part of the true story of Jesus is that when you have been resurrected from death to life with Jesus, you live for his will and not for your own. It's not just, oh, I'm so glad I'm not going to hell. Well, let me go about my usual business. No, Jesus Christ has saved us and we live the rest of our lives in gratitude for him. When we're raised from death to life, we don't pop up a lawn chair and prop our feet up on our tombstone and say, I'm so glad I'm not dead. No, we get up and do something with that new life. We serve God in gratitude. So Jesus has shown himself to his disciples. He's declared who he is. He gives them a job to do, and he's getting ready to leave. But next he assures them that they are not alone. Verse 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus gives his disciples a job to do. He's preparing to leave, but he promises that he'll always be with them. How can he always be with them if he's getting ready to leave them? Come with me to the book of John. John 14. John chapter 14. Beginning in verse 18. John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father. And you in me. And I in you. Whatever has my commandments, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Jesus is preparing his disciples for the day when he leaves. But he tells them, That the Father will send the Holy Spirit to them. That God's home will be with them. That even when Jesus ascends to heaven, His home will be with us. He is giving us His Spirit. So that no matter what we do, where we go, we have the presence of God with us. When I first got my license, I enjoyed driving. I wanted to drive any opportunity to drive. I was happy to do it until summer came and I got a summer job working for the family business and I had to make deliveries all over the seven cities of Southeast Virginia. And I got lost a time or two or 12. And uh, I would call my dad and say, I'm lost. And he would say, where are you? And I would say, I'm on the highway 
which is not helpful in any way at all. What highway are you on? I don't know. I see grass. (laughs) And it was so stressful to not know where I was going. It was so stressful that I would get lost because, you know, back then, kids, you know, you could print your directions out on MapQuest and tape them to the dashboard. And when you took a wrong turn, when you missed your turn, there was no recalculating. (laughs) And I would get so nervous. But I didn't care where I had to drive if my dad was going to drive with me. Because, hey, I have the opportunity to drive. This is going to be fun. And he knows this place like the back of his hand. And... He'll make sure I don't get lost. Driving was a pleasure when I knew I didn't have to do it alone. Serving God can be a daunting task, but it is a pleasure to serve God when you know that you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it apart from Him. Because as a follower of Christ Jesus, one who has placed your faith in Jesus Christ, You are never alone, but you always have the presence of God with you. So here's our takeaway. Jesus has truly risen from the dead. He's alive today. And he grants eternal life and salvation to all who believe. And this is a story that must be told. It must be told because it is too good to keep to ourselves. And it must be told because Jesus Christ, our Lord, has commanded that it be told. If your life has been changed by the good news of Jesus, it is your job to tell others the good news. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, we thank you that you sent your Son to die in our place, that we would have eternal life in you. Lord, I pray that you would kill the cowardice in our hearts and that we would boldly, passionately, joyfully declare your gospel to everyone we have the pleasure to meet. Lord, I I ask that you would direct our hearts to you. If there's anyone this morning who is struggling with a wavering in their faith, Lord, I pray that you would remind them of your love, remind them of your power and sovereignty, remind them that if you say they are redeemed, no one else can say anything at all. You have the authority, and we thank you, Father, that you do. Lord, I pray that um, as we leave this fellowship, that you would impress upon our hearts to be good brothers and sisters to one another, helping anyone who would be struggling with a wavering in their faith, and that we would commit ourselves to worship and obedience. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?